Hello everyone and welcome to King's Talk presented by Cap City Crown. This is Tony with me as always. We got the man, the myth, the legend. We got the John himself. It's uh, it's the all-star break right now. Kings haven't played since what? When was the last time they played? Thursday? Like two weeks ago? Was it Wednesday? It was like Valentine's Day. Was that their last game, Valentine's Day? It yeah. was, huh? Yeah. Valentine's Day, the day of love. So that was... Only six days ago. It's almost like we had a bad date with the Kings. It's like we saw them on Valentine's Day and then we haven't spoken to them since. It just kind of like feels like, man, I don't know what I did. Dude, is she going to text me? They ghosted us. It's like, what the hell? And you're going to find out. It's like, no, baby, I was on an all-star break. It's like, oh, I totally <laughs> forgot. I totally forgot. Dude. Yeah. So the Kings are on the all-star break. Um, only Keegan Murray made it to Indiana. For the Rising Stars game, I'm not going to lie, I didn't watch that game. I didn't watch the All-Star game. I watched a little bit of the three-point contest and the slam dunk contest. I don't recommend uh, watching it if you wanted to. Like, if you're like, oh, like yeah, you haven't watched the slam dunk contest this year, maybe I'll like watch it. Like, you, you're not missing out. <laughs> the slam dunk contest just gets worse and worse every yeah. year. I feel bad for that guy. What's his name? Mac McClunk. McClung. Yeah, I feel bad for him. I feel bad that the NBA would be like, yeah, we're going to rehash this whole thing from last year and just like expect him to, to like carry it. We expect the guy to do it. Like, yeah. Fella, you know? It hasn't been the same since Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon just put on a master yeah. class. I mean, that was how long ago now? Like eight years ago? Maybe not that long. It might have been. I don't know. How long has Zach Levine been in the league? I don't know. Man, like at least five years ago. At least. Yeah. I want Nate Robinson jumping over <laughs> Dwight Howard. Dude. And I don't want anybody do- jumping over Shaq again. Oh, my God. Or or Jalen Brown jumping over a guy in a chair. Like a six-foot guy in a chair. Like, whoa. <laughs> Dude. Okay. That's ridiculous. It was, it was really bad. If it you was can terrible. jump over a car, you know. Didn't Baron Davis. No. Blake Griffin jumped no, over No. Blake a car. Griffin. From Baron, Baron Davis. Davis in like coming out yeah. of the convertible or the sunroof mm-hmm. or something, it was like popping a, it up yeah. to him. That's just like <laughs> we're just off the top of the head. We're just listing all these things that seem to escape any of the contestants. So yeah, just have it. It's like the the scoring system now. It's like <laughs> it's so stupid. It's like they, they're just like messing with stuff that doesn't need to be messed with. Instead of every judge voting from one to ten, it's every judge. I'm assuming votes from one to fifty. And then it's like the cumulative, it's like the average of the five scores added together is the score. It's like, why? Like why? It's like he got a 47.6 on that one. Like, just. like those are five <laughs> different people. They're all going to have different assessments. Why widen the range? Like, if anything, you want a smaller yeah. range. Like, if anything, you yeah. want like a one out of five, one out of ten. One out of ten <laughs> is pretty ideal. Why would you change that? It is so dumb. I, I don't know. I, I, I am almost happy. That Fox and Sabonis weren't in it, so I didn't have to watch the All Star Games. I didn't even try to touch that. There wouldn't um, even been a point. Remember last year, you could clearly tell that both of them didn't give a shit, and quite frankly, yeah. good for them. And none of them really cared about going to Indiana. I mean, even though Sabonis would have gotten more money on his contract, I mm-hmm. think. but Sabonis that, got out of Indiana. He probably didn't want to go back. Yeah, like, like yeah, I played here for three years. Um, didn't they have it? Yeah, exactly. Soil Stadium. Like the football what? stadium, and didn't didn't they do it in the football stadium? Did they? Oh, I, I don't they know. Did. I don't know. I want to look. Maybe that they up did. 
Yeah, I, I have no idea. Because I, I watched a little bit of the dunk contest, and they, they it said Lucas Oil Stadium. I'm like, that's where the Colts play. Oh no way! Let's see. I don't. I don't know. I not that I was aware of, but I've just assumed that they did it at wherever the Pacers play. I don't. Just something, something don't field house or whatever. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like the field house, which is very but, on. I, I don't know. I can't see it immediately. Uh, let me just see. Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Let's throw that word in there. Uh, it's gonna be called the Lucas. No, Oil it said it was at the Gamebridge Fieldhouse. What the hell? Huh. Okay, well maybe I made that up, or maybe it yeah. was just Saturday night. Now I'm like, yeah, I, I want to make sure I wasn't going crazy. I don't know. I have no idea. You, you keep looking to it. Yeah, you riff. <laughs> but so. Sabonis and Fox, man, they didn't make it. Yeah, it's, the Sabonis had a little money that he didn't get. And it's just kind of like, dis, not disrespectful, a little, I guess. But, I mean, the dude should have been an all-star based off his stats. It's just kind of ridiculous. He wasn't leading the league in triple doubles, double doubles, averaging 20, 13, and 8.5 a game. Like, I don't know how it's not an all-star. I mean, so it's just more frustrating that the Kings in Sacramento aren't getting the recognition they deserve. Because, I mean... I mean, Sabonis is putting up a Hall of Fame career already. He's a three-time All-Star, All-NBA player. But, you know, it looks good on the resume going forward for the Hall of Fame case. So it is It is just he should be an All-Star. It feels like a dig at Sacramento being a small market. You have, you know, teams that are below the Kings that have multiple All-Stars like LeBron and AD on the Lakers. And then the Kings who, you know, aren't having the season they did last year, but... You know, they're still above the Lakers and they're not getting any all-stars, even though they, they have at least one very deserving one. But, well, if hey. I could, if I could mm-hmm. interject no, yeah. for a second, I feel like because you talk about the recognition for Sacramento and all that. But I think what De'Aaron Fox has kind of expressed before is like, well, what's new about that? That's kind of been the case for at least, you know, the last 20 years, basically, or maybe a little less than that. And there's there's no respect or recognition. And the only way that's going to change you know, as seen in the fact that they did have such a good season, they broke the playoff drought. They're one of the better teams this year. There's no all stars. You know, the, the lack of recognition continues. Aside from like getting a little pat on the back for being a good story last year, nobody pays attention to them. Nobody gives them respect for the most part. And the only way they're going to change that in the eyes of Fox and the eyes of Sabonis, and you know, assuming the two leaders feel this way, the rest of the team does too. But the only way they're going to change that is winning, because you know they're. All-Stars aren't going to change anything. It didn't change anything, change anything last year. It didn't even get them another All-Star bid this year. The only way that they're going to change anything is by winning a championship. And they recognize that. And that's really commendable. And I thought there was like a little bit too much nonchalance, at least at face value, with Fox especially. But then you, you see it and you just kind of go, oh, okay, he's he's thinking about a whole other thing. And it's quite frankly the most important thing. That's a good point. That's a valid point for sure. And you know, like... I mean, the way the Kings were playing going into the All-Star break, just like, let these guys have <laughs> some time off. Especially Fox. The bonus was, I mean, maybe he just needed a little break, but he was playing great. So, But Fox, he, he was definitely struggling in the month of January. He kind of picked it up a little, maybe in February. I don't know his exact stat line in, in February before the All-Star break, but he did have a few good games um, against the Suns. He scored what? 40 he dropped 40 against the Suns when they lost but yeah um, he had a big game there 
had a big game, but the Kings in general, they were just, I mean, lost to the Pistons, dropped, what did you say, four out of their last six. Mm-hmm. Both wins coming against the Nuggets, who you said without two starters each game. Yeah, it was like, I think without Michael Porter Jr. and Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and then KCP and Murray in the second game. Yeah. And you know what? Even like for the fans, I feel like I needed a break from watching the Kings. Like usually it's like a fan. Like I'm always so pumped to like watch the Kings. Like, all right, Kings are on tonight. Great. But like those last few games, it was just like, man, I'm like, I can't turn this on. It was like as having a hard time like getting excited. And it's like, if I'm not excited to watch the Kings, like what's the point? Like why am I watching them? So like there was a couple, like the Suns game and Nuggets game. I didn't turn that on to like halfway through the, the game. I'm like, all right, like I just, I don't know. They just, I feel like their effort has been lackluster and, you know, my effort for being a fan reflected that. Um, mm. So it was a good break for everyone, including the fans, I think. Um, hopefully the team can come out rejuvenated and playing that, the basketball that we were watching last year. Um, they just seem, I don't know, just not as into it this season or at least not playing at the level we know that they can play at. What, what are we sitting at right now? What are the Kings at? What's their record, you know? Are they seven games above 500? Seven games. And how many games are left? I think they played 54 or something like that. 54. So they got... They played oh, 54. They're 31 and 23. They're eight games above 500. And they sit at, eighth in the conference. At the eighth. I know. They just really started dropping quick. So we got 28 games left in the season. Um, not a lot of time. I mean, the last game is like mid-April. So less than two months of the season left. I, you really can't go in that play-in, right? They really have to work their way out of that 7th, 8th range. And hopefully they don't drop to the ninth or 10th even. Because, yeah. I mean, the Lakers look good. Or no, the Lakers don't look good. The Warriors are looking good. And they won 8 out of their last 10. Yeah. So they're catching fire. They're coming up. There's, I mean, there's teams down there that the Kings keep, like, falling, slipping. There's teams right there to jump in and take their spot and hold them off. So... The West is tough, dude. The, the, West, the, West, the West is always is tough. So fucking tough. It's always so it's tough. tough. It's funny because just a few weeks ago, it's like they were in the fifth spot. And it's like, man, if this team could just get in the top four, get home court advantage in the first round, and then it's like, oh, man, if they can just stay out of the plan. It's funny how things change. And yeah. things could honestly change in a better way. They could get right back into that initial conversation again. But mm-hmm. we'll have to see. A lot to look forward to, and a lot has to go right in the second half. I don't know. What, what, what do you want to see? Like, what do you want to see the most? Like, if Mike Brown's coming in here, he's like, all right, we're the eighth seed. 28 games left. Like, what, what, what would you change? Would you change anything or just, like, write it out? I guess, like, the thing that you would change, maybe. Because, you know, I, I'll preface this by saying, you know, we put out an article that goes through the pre-All-Star break grades for each player in about as short as possible. And Darren Fox is at the top of that list, and it's probably the most engaging grade to either agree with or disagree with. But he got a B minus, and that is mainly because of the the level of inconsistency that seems to have haunted him for maybe the last two months. It seems like so. It's like one of those things where you know you've seen, yeah, his three point numbers are up, but his field goal percentage is down. His efficiency in the fourth quarter and his ability to take over in the fourth quarter is nowhere near what it was last year when he was the inaugural clutch player of the year. And he's, if anything, he's been like quite ordinary in in fourth quarters and in clutch time and whatnot. And Malik Monk has kind of been that guy for the Kings this season. 
if anyone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's like other things like he, he was doing such a good job at the beginning of the season, limiting his turnovers. He was closer to two a game. I know that was like a goal for him. And he's turning the ball over just a tad bit more to get to the point where he's still at the same rate of turnovers, but his assists are also down this year. So that's worth noting. And he, again, he's been a good defender, but it seemed like near the last two or three weeks before the all-star break, he kind of like tapered off a little bit defensively. I know that he got challenged by his coaches to work on closing out a little bit better. I could point out a few different mistakes in several games. I can't remember what game it was, but he started the game terribly. He had like four or five defensive mistakes in his first like six minutes. And I want to find what game that was. It was the Thunder game on the 11th that he got off to a terrible start defensively. Bad closeouts, a couple blow-bys. So it, it, there's been a lot of stuff that has really fallen off a little bit for Fox, especially as of late. After getting off to a great start, and if anything has to change for this Kings team, it's he's got to be more consistent. And whether it's just a mentality thing, which you can make an argument for that, maybe he's shooting so poorly from the free throw line this year. That's a very mental thing. Maybe he's slightly affected by something. Who knows? Or maybe more likely it has something to do with an injury, which kind of brings up your second point in terms of like, should they change it or let it ride? Well, they've waited so long and it doesn't seem like his shoulder injury or whatever, whatever's bothering him, whether it's that or a combination of different things, you know, they, they haven't given him any opportunity to really heal that. And it seems to still bother him due to his inconsistency. And of course he has had some good games so that he can pull it out and play well, but it's like the sustainability of being able to do that is tough. So it's like letting it ride really is not very hopeful, you know, mm -hmm. what I mean? but at the same time, you don't really have a lot of time now to rest him because now you're eighth in the conference. You've lost four out of your last six going into the break. And it's, it's not like you're necessarily on an upward trend. And of course you can get back on one, but you're going to kind of need Fox for that. Yeah, man, I'd, I, I wish they rested Fox. I, it's, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just frustrating at this point. I mean, they still can. I mean, just rest the guy. I, I guess he had this time off now for the All-Star break, so hopefully that helped. But I'm just confused why he wasn't being rested because there was clearly something wrong and there was clearly games where he was being more like hurting the team more so than helping them. And again, <clears throat> again this was kind of goes back to last year and having that foot injury and him playing on it until it got too bad that he had to sit out because, I mean... I have, I mean, in, in, like, at least in those games, I don't remember last year. I feel like he was playing decent. He definitely started playing worse when, like, it was aggravating him more. But I don't know. Like, did they learn nothing from last year? Because now it's just kind of getting out of hand, and or it did get out of hand, and the Kings really didn't have the best of Januarys or early Februarys because Fox's play was just so bad. Not so bad, but considering the, the quality you need from him, it just was not up to par, and uh, I know you just need more out of Fox, right? I mean, if they want to do something, I mean that's what yeah. we always said. He he's the Sabonis is the sail, and uh, Fox is the wind, right? And they're just gonna go at like Sabonis gonna you know yeah. keep him on course, but they're only gonna go so far as Fox takes them, and it brings up like a little leadership from him too. I, I wanted to I want to see him be more of a leader, uh, and I get being nonchalant's fine. And you say you don't mind it, and he has the bigger picture in mind. I, I still want to see him be more of a leader. At the end of the day, this is Fox's team. 
And I think everyone realizes that. Maybe even Sabonis. Like, do you think Sabonis holds back a little? Because he's like, yeah, this is Fox's team. I don't know. It's just frustrating to me watching Fox be so nonchalant. Like, people question his leadership in the past and it's still there to this day. I mean, in the playoffs, I, you, you want that guy to lead you. And if he's the one leading the team, it's just not a good look, in my opinion. The way he's just doesn't seem to care. It's, I mean, he doesn't care. And that's a good thing and a bad thing, I think, at the same time. So I, I want to see his leadership step up a little, make the players around him a little better, or just really pave the way for Sabonis just to take over and just like him be the loud voice in the locker room. The Kings need that loud voice, and they lack it from both Sabonis and Fox right now. So I still want to see it from Fox because it's his team. So we'll see. But I think that's what I would want to see change. The leadership conversation is, I think, a, you know, one that's substantial. Because when you look at Fox and Sabonis, clearly they lead by example in a lot of ways. And they, they on the court, it seems like they're pretty vocal and they're pretty good at communicating. It's maybe more part of a team-wide communication, you could argue, but still, you see Sabonis especially doing a lot of communication and direction. But what happens in the locker room and what happens in practice and stuff like that, what happens behind the scenes, essentially, is a little harder to gauge. And... It just seemed like there was a good portion of the season, I think maybe in December or January, where it seemed like Mike Brown was kind of trying to trying to conjure up some some more vocal leadership from his guys. It seemed like he was asking for it, desiring it. It seemed like he was in need of it. I think he at one point he kind of alluded to that and then went on in the same press conference to tell a story of LeBron James in like his first or second season, like taking control of a huddle and demanding better of everybody and then just kind of doing that forever. And how important that was, mentioning Tim Duncan and all these guys. And I think he even mentioned that Tim Duncan wasn't very much of a vocal leader. It was like, at least we had like an, an Avery Johnson or something like that. Somebody who, who was vocal and could kind of like provide that hybrid leadership. So it's an interesting point. You do want it to come from Fox and Sabonis, but it could also come from somebody mm-hmm. else a little bit. That does not excuse Fox or Sabonis because if that other guy's not there, you have to step up. That's the job. I mean, that's the whole nature of stepping up, being the next man up, the whole thing, staying ready, you know, to do whatever it takes to help the team. So I'm not sure. I mean, it's again, it's a little difficult to, to gauge not knowing what's behind the scenes, but you can assume that if Mike Brown was asking for it, there's a, there's a certain absence of it. Yeah, and I think that's a good point because it's like, well, it can come from elsewhere, and it, it can, but it's not. The Kings don't have that guy. Like, I get it. Like, I think everyone looks at, like, maybe Trey Lyles because he's, as I say, has that dog in him, right, other than from what other Kings players have. But we'll also, we'll also think about this. Like, Trey Lyles has that dog in him, as you say, mm-hmm. on the court. You know, when he comes into the game, he's fighting for his guys. But he's, like, got a book club. Like, he's he's a soft-spoken guy. He's not, like, super vocal getting your mm-hmm. face or anything like that. They need something like that behind. It's about what's yes. going on behind the scenes. Because that's the only place that we can assume where there's a lack of it. It seems like on the court, everybody's together. There's a good kind of cohesion. And it's pillared mostly by Fox and Sabonis. But what happens behind the scenes is the question. And... I don't, I don't know. I mean, Fox and Simonis, it seems like if there's not going to be another guy to do it, they have to step up and do yeah, it. Yeah, and they do. That's the problem. It's a great conversation, though, because it's it's one of those things that when you think about inconsistency, especially when you think about something like free throw shooting, the worst free throw shooting team, something, and you're a good team. You're, you're a damn good team. You have the ability to execute. Like, it doesn't, it, there's some mental element there that seems like it could be tied to 
discipline or focus. And that just seems like that could be really remedied by vocal leadership mm-hmm. and accountability. And I, we talk about accountability on this team all the time. And that's kind of more so for the fact that everybody can tell what, each other what they feel and what they feel is necessary. Maybe they do, but is it to the requisite level? Like, maybe not. So all that needs to be kept in mind, I guess. It's a good point. If the Kings continue to fall and they go and they, they say they make the play in, and I, I don't know, I won't like think of it, will matter, I guess, in a way what happens in the play in. But if the Kings don't, if they go to the play in, do you think Mike Brown's on the hot seat? Like, how long do you think Brown's leash is? Because, I mean, this is definitely a disappointing season. I, I don't think it's a fireable offense yet or at all if they're like top eight. They, if they drop to like 13, I'm like, okay, this is an issue. I think you have to at least give them three years regardless, but I feel like that third year is going to be a lot more. Like if they can make the play in this year, I think the third year for Brown will be more like, okay, like this is a team that was a, went from the third seed to a playing team. Like you better get him back to the third seed this year. I feel like it might put some pressure on Brown. Because, I mean, we, we talk a lot about Fox and Sabonis um, and the players, and we, we talk a lot about Brown too, but. I mean, they they dropped a lot. They dropped a lot in February and in January. And, like, we're in the eighth seed with, again, a hot Warriors team coming up right behind us. I, I don't know. I, I feel like Brown's seat's getting a little hotter and hotter by the day. Not not to the fire and offense this season, but I think, like, looking to next season, I think it's definitely going to, all right, well, Brown only has one more year to figure it out. I don't know. What, what do you think on the coaching situation? Well, that last sentiment might be true regardless if he has a successful season or not, whatever a successful season is this year. I think he has a lot of flexibility because, A, he broke the champ- the, uh, the the playoff drought. And I think that's a huge deal. And I think that means something to Vivek Ranadive. Okay, The three-year thing is pretty good, but I think he might even have a four-year leash because you, you get the playoff year. This year, I think he has a ton of flexibility because they're really trying to it seems like the organization top to bottom is us under the understanding that they really wanted to boost that defense. And, you know, we've seen some kind of ups and downs from that and growing pains. Hopefully it's growing pains for their sake. But, you know, I think that this is a kind of a transitionary season when you think about it, despite the fact that there's so much continuity. So that's kind of interesting. And I think that lends them a lot of leash and a little bit of, a little bit of slack there. But we always say it about McNair, and it's the same of Brown, I probably to some degree, is that, you know, the clock starts ticking. It's like, you got to kick it into gear next year. Like, next year's where, you know, you've made the playoffs. You've hopefully, you know, barring some miraculous fall or just a play-in elimination, you're going to have another playoff experience. Hopefully, you win a playoff series this year, and you're going to have all the better experience at that point. And then you can kind of make that next jump, maybe add a residual kind of third or fourth option type guy. Maybe a defensive stalwart of some sort, a versatility long guy in some way. You know, up the up the roster in the way that we've been talking about all season. That's necessary, and and then there's no excuses for for Brown at that point. But if you're going to give Brown the roster that he has, where it's like mm, your defensive pieces are kind of developmental projects, like Kessler Edwards, Keon Ellis, guys like that, which are you know who are one or two years away from making a rotational impact, if they are going to indeed develop into that, you know. It's like, it's hard to kind of give him too much 
flack mm-hmm. for this season. I think he's done a pretty decent job coaching. I think the things I would complain about are the flooding Fox play on what seems to be a festering injury or one that's at least just nagging him. And I think he he's had a couple of moments now where it's just like you can kind of sense some desperation from him, which I think is a bad sign from a leader. I think his blow up in Milwaukee to me still felt like desperation. And I can't remember what game it was, but it was another recent loss where he came out just talking about the refs. You know, he was like, no, you know, these guys are good guys, but he just kind of kept talking about the refs. He was very reserved and he wasn't angry or anything like that, but he kept talking about it. And it just kind of felt like an excuse. And it felt like he was kind of either copping out to the idea that he didn't want to chew out his team too much. Maybe he's treading around that lightly or some other reason. It just didn't seem like a good leadership move. But other than those two things, really, and maybe I'm escaping another thing because he definitely hasn't been perfect this year. I think in the grand scheme of things, he's done a pretty good job and stayed the course for at least considering what the process is imagined to be, you know? Yeah, for me, I think I'm just like having trouble deciding if the switch to defense is still a good move or a bad move. Because it seems like they're playing away from the Kings' strengths, which was last year being a fast-paced team. I mean, just being very offensive-minded, not a very good defensive team. While I agree the Kings need to play better defense to actually make a real run at a championship in the future, it just, I don't know. I I guess the the personnel wasn't there to do that this season. They didn't make any moves. Two, like the Juan Discona-Anderson, was that really going to change anything? No moves at the deadline to really improve their defense. So I get it. He's, He's laying the foundation to be a defensive team going forward. But, like, they don't have any personnel to do that. Keegan Murray's probably, you know, benefited the most from it. But their offense just, like, at least last year they could shoot their way out of situations. But now the extra de- uh, energy on defense, their offense hasn't looked as good. Their shooting from three has looked really bad on certain nights. And, you know, when they're shooting bad from three, they usually lose the game. I don't, I don't know. I'm still kind of just like, was this the right move this season to do that? Who just because of who was on your team? Because it's still you're still laying that foundation, I guess. It's because, like I said, I still think that this is kind of a transitionary year. I mean, I think they had to have expected something like this. Now, I don't know if they expected it to be like this, where it's like, oh man, that's really affecting our fast break points because they're still near the bottom of the league in fast break points per game, right? And so that was a huge element of their game, their pace, and their pace isn't necessarily down this year too much. I don't believe that's just off the top of my head. But still, you can see that there's not the same snappiness to their offense all the time. And I do think the three-point thing that you mentioned, the kind of inconsistency there, sometimes they'll just have nights where there's just they can't rely on it at all. And it's, it's been frequent. Like, that definitely kind of lends to that whole argument, too. And, yeah, I think they do just have to get personnel that's better because teams have succeeded playing that way, that way before. Teams that Brown was an assistant coach on, obviously, have done that. It's, it's possible, but, you know, it might be a little difficult when you're asking a guy like Kevin Herter to go do as much as he can to, to push it to the limit on defense. And maybe that's just good enough, but now maybe that affects his offense. And maybe that's not an, an accurate way to put that because to Herter's credit, he's shot really well over the last month plus. But in essence, that's kind of the nature of the team. And the roster thing makes sense. And I think that's another thing that lends a lot of leash to Brown is, well, that's not Brown's fault if the personnel is not there. And I still, and that's under the the context that he does have to start laying that groundwork because if you're looking at this as a two, three, four year process in terms of being a championship contender overall, you know, like you got to start as early as possible, and might as well be now. Yeah, 
But I feel like at that point, it kind of pivots to the GM. It does. It does pivot to the GM. But at the same time, it the coach or the coach in Mike Brown is in the spotlight because it's like, well, shouldn't he be playing to the team's strengths at the same time? Like he he doesn't have that personnel, yeah. so it does go to Mc, it goes. It's on both of them because McNair didn't bring in the personnel to get that good defense, and defense is needed to win championships. But Brown knows that he doesn't have that, so why is he still trying to do it? Well, Brown came into the Kings organization in June of whatever year that was, two summers ago. And remember, he talked about like his three like big things. And one of them was like making the team like a defensive team and winning with defense and noting the fact that like the three previous champions were all top three or top five defense- defensively or something like that. And so like to me, that indicates, especially with the fact that he has made it quite clear that it's the effort is to improve the defense. That's the main goal, essentially, is to really pivot to being a defensive team, a team that can really, as he, as he says, put your, rest your hat on it or lean on it. With that and what he said when he first came in, it just seems like that's an organizational agreement and understanding that from top to bottom, that's the idea. And if that's the case, then, I mean, honestly, then I don't think either guy should be on the hot seat or even be close to that because you need to just give them another year at this point, because I see what they're doing. It's a process. But again, if you are going to go ahead and get mad at anybody, you get mad at the guy who maybe is biding his time in terms of getting the defensive assets. Maybe that's an argument to make. I just don't see how anything kind of goes to Brown. I just don't see how he's anywhere close to being on the hot seat, personally. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's a good point. Yeah, I was looking at their defensive rating. 18th in the league right now. I think it was like 24th last season. Yeah. Yeah. It's an improvement from a really shitty year last year, mm-hmm. but it's still not where nearly where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And it's inconsistent like the three-point shooting. You know? Yeah. I think the Kings in general just pretty much inconsistent except for, I mean, Sabonis and Monk, really. And Lyles. And Lyles, yeah. Lyles is a stud. Three Mr. Dependables. Mm-hmm. Been a weird year. Definitely, I mean, I've, I've definitely been disappointed so far. Um, I think, I don't want to say they've plateaued, but I mean, they're definitely just on pace with what they did last season, just with a better West, really, more healthy teams. I don't know. It's been kind of weird. Like I said, I'm glad the All-Star break's here. Nice refresh for, I think, the fans and the team in general. We'll see. We'll see what the second half holds, man. I don't know. It is interesting, though, because this could, like I said, this could on the good side be, you know, or the positive side, it could be growing pains. And it'll be behind you in in no time and would be bigger and stronger because of it. Or it is plateauing and then the spaceship starts to to rattle and then it it bursts, Mm -hmm. you know. It could be the beginning of that. So I guess it's like one of those things. Stay tuned, kids. (laughs) But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. We'll see. Where, where do you see them finishing this season? Let's try to think. I mean, do you have an idea? Because I don't really have an idea. I don't have one that I want to commit to in terms of like a a prediction. Um, I think. I think honestly, if I had to be honest, because they're fifty four games in. So what is that? That leaves them with uh, twenty six games left. Twenty eight, right? Right. Twenty eight. That's what I said. Was I doing that math right? You're right. 28 games. I 
What's half of 28? <laughs> 14. 14. <laughs> so if they they won 48 games last time, last year? Yeah, they, they did. They had a chance at so 50. So they'd have to go to 17. They'd have to win 17 of those 28 games. Dang. To match their record last year, which I think would probably be good enough to get them like the fifth spot at best, maybe. At best. The 48's like a fourth seed, fifth seed, right? It's hard to tell. Last year was. I know. It's hard. I, I would say around like fifth, sixth seed, right? Uh, yeah, last yeah. year really messed up. Well, let me just up. add seven. Let me just add 17 to. The Suns, like seven, if they if the Suns win seventeen games in this in the last third of the season, I guess they would have fifty wins, and they're the fifth seed right now. So you know what? I I don't know. I think the Kings will end up being a playing team. I hate to say it. Yeah, I I know, but they'll probably. I think they'll. I think they'll probably have around their record last year. I think they'll have forty. I I think I picked them to have something around forty eight. Yeah, I think most people did. Right? I think it was around the same. Yeah, I think so. But okay, my prediction is they finish seventh as a playing team at forty-eight wins. Yeah, I, I think they'll. I think they'll finish around seventh seed as well, and go in that play-in, which is just be totally disappointing. But that's just where they're trending right now. Maybe we're being too hard. I mean, maybe maybe forty-nine wins is enough to be the sixth seed. I mean, like they could easily win forty-eight and be as seventh or they could be a sixth you know like it's a fine line there. Mm-hmm. i'm gonna change it i'm gonna change it i'm gonna say they win 49 games and finish six 49 games finish six okay out of the play in changing it for the record and i i see them being a playing team just the way they're playing i would lo- i don't know you, you have to avoid that playing at all costs i'm gonna say that the rest gives them a lot of help in the last 28 games but it's not gonna do anything for them in the playoffs that's fair yeah i I think they finish. I finish. Think they finish six and make the playoffs just outright. But I think they lose in the first round. I think they definitely lose in the first round because they'll probably end up playing. They'll probably end up. They'll probably end up playing the Clippers or like somebody like that because the Clippers are the third seed right now. So if were they, God, you know, yeah, imagine playing the Clippers that. in the first round would be terrible. Or playing the Nuggets at full health, like they haven't mm-hmm. done that this year. Or the, somehow you get the Pelicans. Yeah, the Pelicans just finished. What if the third. Pelicans finish like? I mean, they're sixth. They, yeah, they what if finish, they finish like fourth and the Kings finish fifth? Then you got to beat a team four times and what <laughs> beat you five times already? God. You have to find a way to beat them four times. Like, all right, dude. <laughs> I mean, they could do it. I mean, like they could be due. I mean, like maybe it was just dispro- like the balance was disproportional. It was just all New Orleans at first, and then it goes all sack, sack sweeps, sweeps them. <laughs> dude, that would be insane. <laughs> That'd be crazy. I know there's not a lot of teams. I mean, other than OKC, I don't know. Let me look at the playoff picture right now. I don't know. There's not a lot of teams I have like faith in the Kings beating. Oh, the Mavericks. I have faith in them. The Maverick. Even like I could see them beating. I could. No, I guess I'll take back what I said. So I could see them beating the Timberwolves in uh, seven games. I could see them beating the Thunder in seven games. In seven games. The Clippers, eh, I don't know. They have not looked good against the Clippers this year. The Nuggets, eh. Suns, maybe, but they, I don't know. Tricky. Yeah, they're yeah, tricky. They're just getting better and better. Yeah. Pelicans, the Mavs, yeah. 
War- what about the Warriors this season? I mean, I, I mean, what if they face the Warriors in the play-in game? Honestly, if they face the Warriors in any kind of playoff atmosphere game, like a play-in or an actual playoff series again, I would go to Vegas and bet on the Kings. Okay. Like, there's no way the Kings just get pummeled in terms of that. Like, they got Things have to swing their way at some point. I'd be like, luck is coming my way, baby. That's yeah. what I'd be saying. But, yeah, I think the Lakers, Warriors, I mean, maybe the Jazz do something. They've been, they've been playing they well. Yeah. They, they, I think they finished three of seven in their last ten. Three, no. out, three and seven, I should say, it, the last ten out into the All-Star. But they did have that upturn for a second there. Yeah, that is true. And they are good at home. It's funny how the Rockets have fallen to 12. Yeah, they were. Yeah, that was weird. It's like, oh, I thought you guys were. They were like a fifth seed, or fifth, sixth seed, I feel like, for a while. Or they were like top four, I think. I don't even remember now. I don't remember. Six. I just remember them kicking the King's ass. That was like it. <laughs> we've played them in one we There's haven't we've wrong. only played them twice right we haven't played them that time at home yet have we it was just the, it was just those two games and three nights in houston yeah that's like back in like november yeah it was so early in the year and fox was hurt yeah you're right and Sabonis like shot like four times in that second game or something <laughs> like four shot attempts that was when Sabonis got off to like a bad start it seemed like something was wrong Remember, he kind of got off to a bad start in terms of aggression. He wasn't very aggressive. Mm-hmm. He wasn't scoring. And then we, like, talked about it. Yeah. Oh, he's the best. He did it. Domas. Domas loves us. We're big in Vilnius, Lithuania. Mm-hmm. They love it's us. Like one of our top three geographic regions. <laughs> like, Bulgaria is second. Yeah. Same cop. <laughs> it's like Bulgaria and Greece. I'm like, oh, sweet. Oh, my God. Yeah. So Australia last year. <laughs> with Della Vadova. Australia, because Delhi, dude, they love Delhi. They do. They still love Delhi, of course. I mean, they we probably still have some loyal uh, listeners. Probably not. I mean, I would say comment, but then, like, someone's going to hear this and then look in the comments a week later and be like, nobody. <laughs> no, listen, pal, nobody commented. Okay? <laughs> this embarrasses us. Nobody's listening in Australia, right? Dude. Not even Delhi Vadovi. Dude, the delicatessen. And where he he just went back? He just didn't want to stay. That's like the Kings's. He went back to Melbourne. He's like, I gotta win a championship. Oh, I down at the Epic. I gotta win. They go win championship. Whatever, you, whatever you say. Uh, how's that? How's that coming this year? I don't know. I was gonna check Melbourne basketball. First in the NBL right now, dude. Check it out. Let's look up the NBL standings. When do they play next? Oh, man, let's check it out. They play... I don't know. They haven't played since... Oh, they played... Let me see the schedule. It was like the 17th of... Oh, here. I think the 17th was their last game. Wait a second. Is the playoff starting? NBL playoffs. Check it out. Starts February 28th, dude. NBL playoffs. Dude. The final series, 2024. What's going on here? We should go. Elimination Chamber, WWE's in Australia this year. Oh, Next wait. weekend. Wait, the Melbourne. Just stay, just stay for a week. Wait, that doesn't make any sense. I don't see anything about Melbourne. It's the Sydney Kings versus the New Zealand Breakers, and then Tasmania Jack Jumpers versus the Illawarra Hawks. The Jack Jumpers, the Jack Jumpers. That's a great name. But the Sydney I Kings, like dude. It. 
The Sydney Kings. It's the sister team. Yeah, huh? Dude, in Sydney. Sydney Kings. Yeah, Dana, we love the Kings. I remember one time That's I met funny. an Australian guy at a bar. He's like, what do you do? And I was like telling him about this. He's like, the Kings? He's like, Matthew Talavitova. <laughs> he bought me a beer. Really? Just because of that? Well, he like bought me a bunch of beers. We were like hanging out that night. But that kind of got Dude. it started, you know. Just big, big Kings fan because of Delhi. That's funny. He's like, oh, so you like call for the Kings? I'm like, yeah. He's like, did you have you ever talked to Matthew? I'm like, I've never talked to any of the players. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, well, let's uh, let me get you drunk so you forget your sad life. Yeah, exactly. We cover exactly. exactly. He was just this Australian guy with dreads. <laughs> he was there with his wife, who looked like totally ordinary. I'm like, you guys are an interesting couple. <laughs> oh my but god that was a good time yeah it sounds like it a lot for your beer he's like what are you drinking there dude a Foster's is what you should have said <laughs> Foster's Australian for beer Foster's like, I feel like I need to drink more Foster's no Foster's is not good I'm sorry <laughs> really I don't mind them there's been many a times where I go to 7-Eleven and get the big can of Fosters, you know? Like, yeah, I'll just get I a Fosters because the can's sick. Like, it looks awesome. It, it, right? I think that's why. That's why I don't mind it. It's fun. It looks it's huge. It looks awesome. It's like, wow, look at that thing. <laughs> and then you drink it. You're like, mm. I don't know. It's missing something. Right, and I'm like, I, it's been I'm, a long time since I had a Fosters. I'm not picky about beer generally, but I don't have fond memories of Fosters. I think I've only ever drank Fosters on a golf course because, like, the car girl had it. What's the green Fosters? There's, like, a blue Fosters and a green Fosters. What's the Maybe difference? one's, like, a light or something? I don't know. I, don't know. Man, I, I want like... a Fosters now. We're actually sponsored by Fosters. We're obligated to uh, talk about them for King's 10 minutes. Talk Podcast brought to you by Fosters, Australian for beer. You guys are thirsty and hungry? Drink a Foster's. Dude. Drink a Foster's. You get a free blooming onion with every four pack of Foster's. Foster's does seem like the type of beer where they'd serve it in a four pack. You just get four. That's all you need. Drink four of them. Drink four of them on an empty stomach. You know, go swimming <laughs> a little bit. You fall asleep on the little floaty pool. I can't do an Australian accent for very long. That's okay. They're tough. To go like, and I have to always restart with the same thing. I go like, Dan the epic, you know? Hey, Dan the epic. Come on down for our new beef sliders. <laughs> Man. Well, well Vadova, you know? Deli. Deli Katessin. I don't know. <laughs> I think we started this by saying we wanted to give everybody that listened in Bulgaria, Greece, and the Balkans uh, yes. a, a nice shout out. And so, yeah, and why did we say that? Love from Sacramento, California. And I don't yeah. know why we did. I don't either. But they deserve that. They deserve it. We love you out there. We want to thank you for all your support. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, we, yeah. I think we've killed like 20 minutes doing whatever the hell that was. Dude, I know. It was a little too long. Um, we got a little update on the NBL. What's going on with the freaking Melbourne? What's your, what's your 
No, nah, I'll look that up later. Yeah, I'll figure it out later. Um, I don't know. What what else? What else on your mind? I don't know. Did you get Did you get any hot takes from the some from hot the, takes? The, yes, the this is a, the hot takes. So I went on Instagram, and I might do this a little more often now. I just want to hear you guys' hot takes. If you don't follow us already, you can follow us on Sat Kings Talk on Instagram. I think days of the podcast, I'll just make a post and see if you have any hot takes. Maybe not hot takes every time. Maybe topics you want to hear us talk about. But today was hot takes. And here are the hot takes that people have dropped. Kings should trade Fox and build around Sabonis. That's an interesting one. Um... Personally, for me, I don't know. Fox has really gotten on my nerves this year. Um, I mean, but you can't trade. I, 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 I'm. I'll say this. Maybe this is a little hot take itself. I'm not opposed to trading Deer and Fox. Personally, I don't know. He's just taken such a step back this year, in my opinion. Um, but it would have to be for like a very like another all NBA all NBA player at the same position. Or maybe not even at the same position. You would kind of need it to be because you don't have anyone else at the point guard. I don't know, John. Is that too hot? Do you think Kings are just fans are overreacting? I mean, I don't, I don't think a lot of people have this this take. But, I mean, would you would trading Fox be something that Kings might do in the offseason? Do you see this? Or is it just kind of just a hot take? I want to indulge the conversation, but I just there's just no way. Like, unless you could do, like, unless the Thunder were like, we'll give you Shea Gilgis Alexander for De'Aaron Fox. Like, man, th- that would be crazy. What but if... I don't think that's the, happening. I'm trying to think of a player. Who was, like... Um, i trying to think of a... Could, like if a, you wanted DeJounte Murray instead of him, you're going to do that, but I don't think you do. I was thinking something like, what if, like, the Nets were like, we'll give you Bridges and Cam Johnson for Fox? Hmm. That's interesting, but I don't think they'd give you both. I don't either. What What about just Bridges? If they Bridges did, and if like they, if someone, they, and Finney Smith, oh, like it's just somebody to like pad the roster. Yeah, just like a, just oh. enough where it's like, oh, okay, both of them, and like no, a defensive I, guy. I, I feel like that would just screw with everything. You can't just like we we talk about how this is Fox's team. You can't just like dismantle the whole device and then pull out the heart of it like and you're gonna put all the pieces back together and not screw it up like good luck yeah that's a good point that's not a condemnation of like bridges as a person or as a teammate or anything like that but like you clearly have something here and continuity has been a huge factor and something that's been a huge consideration of the front office so it's just it's not gonna happen i feel like the only way that maybe would happen is if like the kings really believed malik monk could be the same impact as De'Aaron Fox, and we're like, we want Monk to be our starting point guard. But I'm not sure they do. No. <laughs> I do think De'Aaron Fox has a lot of things that Malik Monk's just never going to be able to do, and a lot of that has to do with physical size and length and strength and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But Fox is clearly a guy that kind of made your, made your stake there, and I don't think there's any way to undo that without screwing everything up. Yeah, I don't know. For me, I, I'll, I'll say this. Kind of like I was talking earlier about Brown. I, I want to give him like one more year, really, too. Like, I, I, I don't know. He's been hurt, so it's hard to blame him. But, like, dude, sit out then. It's been super frustrating. But, I mean, but it's hard to overlook what he did in the playoffs last season. I don't know. The playoffs will be an interesting 
indicator of what he, I don't know, how we will actually feel. Yeah, you can start talking about this. If he goes into the playoffs and lays a fucking egg, yeah, you can talk about this. But right now, given what he did, you make a great point. Given what he did last year, especially like with the broken finger late, Mm -hmm. let's see what he does. Because he's got that mentality where the only thing that matters to him, again, is is winning. Yeah. So let's see what he does when it matters most. Mm-hmm. All right. Next hot takes. Sabonis is going to win MVP. I don't think he'll win MVP. But I, if the Kings get, go, like, on a hot run to end the season, and he's, like, still leading the league in double-doubles and triple-doubles, putting up, like, 20-13. Say if he gets it even to, like, nine assists a game, like 9.3. Where it's like, man, he's like literally on the verge of averaging a triple double for the season. I think he can sneak into like the top three. Yeah, I agree. I mean, honestly, I, I think it has probably more to do with points, honestly. But that's true. Like, if he can get up to like twenty two, maybe. I mean, that's really hard to. That's really hard to get your scoring up two points in twenty eight games. I mean, like you'd have to. I mean, that seems hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Fox has had. We've talked about Fox's dip, but it's like he's only knocked like two and a half points off his points per game or something like mm-hmm. that. I don't know if it's like been a ton. It's like hard to screw with that too much when you've been this deep into the season. But I think if you could do that, that would be the key to doing it. I think it's definitely possible. And the triple-double situation, I mean, that's a big deal. I think people are maybe starting to realize that. And honestly, I think him getting snubbed might have been better for him. Because if he goes to the All-Star game, think about... Like, oh, yeah, he's an all-star, like, whatever. Like, yep, it's a bonus. Cool. But it's like, oh, man, that guy didn't make an all-star. He kind of derives some sympathy. Kind of for a player that doesn't usually derive sympathy for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. You know, being called, like, the most overrated player or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's, it kind of is easy to overlook his game. But, I mean, I think by by missing, it's like people kind of want to be like, hey, you know, that guy probably did deserve to be there. and Maybe it gives him a little bit more recognition. It wouldn't move the needle much, but I think it could be significant. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. So that's my hot take. It was actually better for Sabonis not to make the all-star team. I kind of like that, honestly. It brings, it brings some attention to his name. Here's another one. Trey Lyles needs to start uh, over Harrison Barnes. Well, it, it huh. says Trey Lyles needs to start at the five and move Keegan to the three. But I'm assuming they mean... I think they meant the I, four. It has to be. Because <laughs> it's like they're not replacing Sabonis. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, I, th- I think that's a hot take. A little. I, I think it's hot for, like, how Barnes has been playing over the last month. Like, maybe two months ago, this wouldn't be so hot. But Barnes, I don't know. Mm-hmm. He's Harrison Barnes. He's going to start under Mike Brown. And he's, you know, he's been playing a lot better lately. And so I think it's easier to be like, no, just leave it as it is. But, I mean, if Barnes starts dipping again, he goes through his bad stretches. Especially, like... If he's shooting the way he did in the playoffs last season, I mean, maybe they do have a better point of like, all right, like we can't let this go on for a full seven games again because we saw how that ended last time. Maybe you move Lyles into the lineup. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a, probably the only way that happens. I think I would shift the argument to if you're going to start Lyles, I think it would be make your lineup bigger. <laughs> Get rid of her or put her off the bench. I know that really kind of screws with your versatility and your situation at the four off the bench. But, I mean, if anybody's deserving of getting taken out of the starting lineup at this point, excluding like a the need for a playoff adjustment, which I think is a great point. I think it's her. Mm-hmm. You know? That's true. So, 
maybe like Murray at the two, <laughs> Barnes at the three. But then you you might be limiting yourself a little bit. You might be subjecting Barnes to some tougher assignments. I don't know. Could be interesting. I would be more more intrigued by him replacing Herder in the starting lineup than Barnes, yeah, that's true. Um, and Mookie into the two. That, that's actually kind of interesting. And here's one that kind of goes off it in a way. Barnes can be the answer at the three if we find him more in the offense. Uh, this one says find him in the post more while we space the floor. Um, I mean, it's hard because I don't think you'd find him in the post more. So bonus kind of controls the offense that way. And he's kind of a floor spacer in, in himself. So Sabonis isn't. But like getting him more involved in the offense... I mean, that seemed to work really well in those like th- that three-game stretch he had where he was averaging like 30 a game. So, I mean, I'm down for it. I'm all for Barnes getting more looks and uh, being a bigger part of this offense. Yeah, I think I think they've done a pretty good job of finding the balance of doing that when the situation calls for it. And he's also, I think it's key to point out, might be equally as important, if not more important, that he's kind of figured out how to be aggressive and how to work with what he can do when he quote unquote takes over without kind of screwing with the identity of the offense, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Cause if you're talking about going in the posts, that really kind of eliminates the heavy ball movement, pass it, try to get in transition, try to run, try to score um, and not lull anybody to sleep. But I think it could be an interesting thing. And when you're trying to shorten the game, maybe late later in the fourth quarter uh, might, you know, if you're not too afraid of getting away from your identity, it could be an option, but I think they've kind of struck the right balance with that. And I think Barnes being better with his aggression has done a lot for that. And it seems like Mike Brown's kind of pointed it out that way a lot. Though I do think that they have kind of gone to him. I think they've met in the middle. I, I, I just believe yeah. that that's the case. Because it seemed like, you know, he's just like, yeah, I never call plays for him. He's like, well, I want to clarify. Like, <laughs> it's not like I never call plays for him. It's like, okay, <laughs> you said what you said. And... It seems like it seems like now you kind of realize that maybe you should at least do it a tad bit more if you're not doing it very much. At the, yeah. At most. So. I don't know. And then one more, we'll do one more hot take. Um, Malik Monk will win Sixth Man of the Year. I mean, why not? Is that a hot take? I mean, he's like is the he? I thought he wasn't for a second. Is he the favorite now? I think at the All Star break he was the favorite. I think I saw that. I don't know where I saw that. I think it was okay. a betting thing. Yeah, let me look a bot. Let me. Oh no, check. he he is he is the favorite. You're right. I mean, like he's got like 15. What he's averaging like 15 with five assists, like 5.4 mm-hmm. assists or something. He's leading. He's leading. Like, it was amazing. Like he had four assists last yeah. year. Yeah, now he's five. It's like he's insane. leading in total points off the bench, total assists off the bench, and most 20 point games off the bench. I mean, I think that alone, it, I, that's just insane. Yeah. I, yeah, I think he will win it. He, he's been incredible this season. And I'm interested to see if they can retain him next season because it'll be. Man. Yeah, he's going to make a lot of freaking money. Yeah, he's been awesome. One of one of McNair's best pickups, really. Yeah. I mean, like, this is where De'Aaron Fox has a future as a GM. <laughs> Be a GM. Dude. You just get all those guys from Kentucky. He'll just have a team that has twelve out of the fifteen rostered guys that went to Kentucky. What man? Why not? Just an all Kentucky Sacramento Wildcats. <laughs> Sacramento Wildcats. 
Yeah, Monk's been awesome. There's nothing really more to say on no. that. I was like, that's barely a hot take. That's true. I thought I thought <laughs> he was lower. Unless he screws up. It's his to lose, honestly. It is. Malik Monk won't win it. I think he will. I think he actually will. That's kind of exciting. It's always fun bringing a home any kind of award and sack. And I mean, he's just, yeah, he's been great. And nothing else to say. Simple as that. But, I mean, that's all we got today, really. It's pretty yeah, good. I think so, too. It was fun doing the hot takes. I hope you guys enjoyed them and hope you guys keep giving us uh, material in the future, uh, getting your guys' voice in here. But Kings, they play the Spurs. Except for whoever said that Malik Monk's going to win six man of the year is a hot take. You can just stop listening. You can just stop listening to the podcast. You can unfollow us. Fine. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> but Kings play the Spurs tomorrow. Hopefully a game they win <laughs> because they should beat the Spurs. Followed up by two days of rest, and then they play the Clippers, who they haven't beat this season, on Sunday. Yeah. Nice way to get into it, a game against the Spurs, and then two days of rest, right? So start off the second half like that. Not terrible. I'll be jumping in the fire against the Clippers. That's going to be fun to see what they do against a team that's whipped their booty. Yeah, in L.A. too. Yeah. It's like almost like, who would you rather face in the first round, the Clippers or the Pelicans? That's a lot of games against the Pelicans where you just did not show up, really. But they, I feel like the Clippers games, we lost like 30 each time. But, I mean, this the Pelicans game. At least we kept one of them close, I feel like. I still want to say the Pelicans. I don't know. The Clippers, they scare me. The Clippers are probably objectively better. Mm. Yeah, I think the Clippers are objectively better, but I don't know. Some teams are just, they just have your number. Mm, that's true. Let us know what you think. Yeah, yeah, honestly. Who would you rather face in the first round? Um, but, John, anything to wrap this up? Let's all put a hand together and, like, try to t- try to root for the Sydney Kings, you know. Dude. Sacramento Kings sister team, you know, SK. Sacramento Kings, Sydney Kings, the Sac Kings, the Sid Kings. You know, that's true, huh? Root for them, man. Just, just, just do it. Tune in, Sydney baby. Tune in at two a.m. on the twenty eighth yeah. <laughs> <laughs> before you go to work or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. Well, I want to thank you all for tuning in. Until next time, have a good one.